Welcome to the New Hampshire Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, Managing Editor at nhjournal.com. So much news from Labor Day weekend. Now we're headed into what some people would consider maybe the first official week of the official campaign in the 2024 presidential primary. But come on, it's been going on for at least at least since Trump announced and then since $20 million got dumped attacking Ron DeSantis. So there's been a campaign going on hot and heavy for a while now, but it still was a big weekend. The big news at the federal level, in my opinion, is that we had, well, according to the union leader, we had five presidential candidates in New Hampshire for Labor Day uh, at the uh, Salem uh, GOP picnic Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy was there. I'm doing these by where they rank in the polls. Vivek Ramaswamy was there. Mike Pence was there. Uh, Asa Hutchinson was there. Will Hurd was there. And then some guy from Rhode Island. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't keep, I, you know, I'm just Cranston. Really? Okay, fine. What's significant about that uh, prominent businessman who's, you know, got multi-million dollars and is spending a ton of it running for president and the former vice president of the United States and a former governor and U.S. attorney, what's and member of Congress, what's significant about that? If you add up all of their uh, approval numbers or, or poll numbers, I should say, you know, what, what did you vote for in the real clear politics average? And then you added 40 points to their combined total. They would still be trailing Donald Trump. That's right. Those five, I say four, Republican presidential candidates combined have 12.6% support nationwide. Donald Trump is at 53% and some change. In fact, you could combine the uh, would you vote for number for all five of these candidates and they would still trail Ron DeSantis, though not by much. He's at 14.3%. And the point of that is that, you know, Polls are a snapshot of a moment. It's still early. We've got plenty of debates coming up. All of the caveats. As of right now, the massive Trump lead with the new Wall Street Journal national poll that has him basically at 60% support among Republicans. It's it's just tough and it's a big gap. So that's, to me, the most significant noteworthy fact to come out of the Labor Day weekend uh, for the first of the nation primary. The... Other event, big news, Frank Adelblut, the Commissioner of Education, and a darling of the kind of woke activists inside the New Hampshire Republican Party announced in an op-ed for the union leader, as opposed to here at New Hampshire Journal, where you should have done it, Frank, uh, (laughs) that he's not running for governor. Uh, Some people were stunned. They absolutely certain he was definitely going to run because they see a huge path for a, you know, Trump-friendly candidate, someone from that wing of the coalition that makes up the New Hampshire Republican Party. Other people said that there was a real sense that if uh, Edelblut didn't see a way to win the general election, what's the point in getting into the primary? Interesting uh, conversation. Of course, if Trump's at the top of the ticket, everybody running for governor and pretty much every other (laughs) race as a Republican could be asking that question. But for whatever reason, he's not in. And that brought about celebration immediately from the campaigns of Kelly Ayotte and Chuck Morris, the two Republicans who are in the race. The thinking being that uh, if you don't have Frank Edelblut bringing the MAGA uh, voters, the 
whatever you want to call them, woke voters, the social conservative voters, if they don't all coalesce around a single candidate, one who, by the way, could, you know, win, uh, then that leaves the two more mainstream. I think that's fair to call Kelly Ayotte and Chuck Morris, former U.S. Senator and former state Senate president, pretty mainstream Republicans. It leaves them to fight kind of on equal ground for the votes that are in that coalition. It's an interesting idea. Let me posit a couple of other ideas, however, to also fold into that mix. How would you describe a majority of the voters in New Hampshire, Republican primary voters? Would you describe them as pro-Trump? Yeah, they're pretty pro-Trump. You, No matter how you ask the question, they like Donald Trump. They, you, As uh, Kristen Solstice Anderson, who's, by the way, amazingly smart, and I love her work. I've had a chance to work with her in the past. She had uh, some focus group data out, and the headline was, Republicans just like Donald Trump. And while her work was early states, so it was a mix of Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, the fact is, we've polled at NH Journal, you poll it, you look at the polling from other people, St. A's, even the UNH panel, they have a different system with their panel, they all show Republican primary voters like Trump, and Trump has a big lead in New Hampshire in the publicly available polls, and all of the evidence, both statistical and anecdotal, point to Trump being very popular in New Hampshire. Trump candidates are also popular in New Hampshire among Republican primary voters. 2022, who won? It it wasn't the mainstream candidates like George Hansel and Chuck Morris. It was the Trump candidates like Bob Burns and Caroline Levitt. That's who won. Don Bolduck uh, won in part by saying the election was absolutely stolen. And he was the nominee. So if that is the makeup of the Republican Party, which is a very Trump-friendly New Hampshire Republican Party, is it likely that no candidate who represents that majority is going to arise to run in the primary? Are we going to get through a Republican primary in New Hampshire without a, for lack of a better term, pro-Trump or Trump-imbued or MAGA, whatever you want, whatever word you want to use for the voters who kind of make up a majority of the Republican primary electorate in New Hampshire. I mean, it's possible. It could be that it's Ayotte and Morris all the way through. Now that Adelblut's out, maybe no one else gets in. But some people have argued that they wanted Adelblut to get in because they wanted a candidate who was very strong with that base and with the social conservatives, but who also had the ability to campaign as a businessman to more mainstream Republicans and so kind of build the coalition as opposed to, say, having a MAGA candidate who's going to be just full-on, cleats high, election was stolen, I love Trump, MAGA guy, uh, who could still win the nomination. Because, once again, 2022, (laughs) MAGA candidates did very well in New Hampshire. So that's a challenge everyone's going to face. Trump's endorsement, could that resolve this if Trump stepped up and endorsed uh, Chuck Morris or uh, some would argue less likely Kelly Ayotte. Maybe, maybe those MAGA voters would just take Trump's word for it. But one of the experiences that we've seen around the country and also here in 2020, when it was Don Bolduck, who was identified by the grassroots as their MAGA guy and Corky Messner, who had Trump's uh, endorsement, they still, there were a lot of, Voters who said, yeah, I get Trump's endorsement. I understand politics. I know who my guy is. 
Trump-friendly voters, they know each other. They understand each other. They speak each other's language. I don't know that anyone's going to be able to trick them into convincing them that, uh, you know, a traditional Republican is, in fact, in their camp. But maybe it's not a trick. And that's what we will see evolve in this campaign. But it is going to make the governor's race really interesting, which may be a blessing, not, not for the candidates, but for people like me who love politics as our sport and love watching the game and love watching people play it well as we could see a really fascinating governor's race at a time when maybe the presidential primary race isn't going to be as interesting. But then again, that could turn around too. All sorts of things are happening. Vivek Ramaswamy has been working very hard in New Hampshire. I think he had seven or eight events over the course of the kind of the extended Labor Day weekend. Mike Pence is here on the ground working hard for two or three days. Uh, Nikki Haley, after a debate performance, is coming back. We're going to be speaking in just a moment to one of the co-founders of Moms for Liberty, Tiffany Justice, who's doing an education town hall with uh, Nikki Haley in Manchester on Wednesday. And if you read NHL.com, you understand why having a parents' rights event in Manchester is significant. I also want to point out that before anyone says, oh, this is an endorsement of Nikki Haley, uh, Moms for Liberty did an event with Vivek Ramaswamy a few months ago, which we covered at NH Journal. So the parental rights issue is a strong issue in and of itself. And I would, and when the Monster Liberty had their national uh, confab in Philadelphia, July 4th weekend, uh, Donald Trump was there. Ron DeSantis was there. Uh, Vivek and Haley were there. It's, they have a lot of support because they have 120,000 members and hundreds of thousands more people who listen to them and think that someone needs to step up for them on the parents' rights issue. And that's going to be happening here in Manchester. So another opportunity for Nikki Haley to shine. It's as Governor Sununu reminds everybody, it's early. Now is the time where the voters start to get serious about paying attention. They're really going to get serious as towards the end of the year. And then the primary, either January 23rd or maybe January, what would that be, 30th? Um, yeah, uh, somewhere, somewhere around in there. So, Lots to cover, and we will be covering it for you at nhjournal.com. In part, thanks to Dr. Bruce Houghton at perfectsmiles.com. Dr. Bruce in Nashua is my dentist. If you're in a business where it's competitive and you need a sales floor smile, or you need a C-suite smile, you need a smile that uh, you know that gives you an extra tool in your toolbox to be a success. Talk to Dr. Bruce at PerfectSmiles.com. He's done smiles for people who do a lot of TV. I used to do a lot of TV. That's why I ended up at Dr. Bruce's. Howie still does a lot of TV, and he's a uh, Dr. Bruce uh, patient. Uh, Dr. Bruce takes care of me, takes care of my family. He will do a great job taking care of you right in Nashua. So easy to find, and of course, super easy to find on the web at PerfectSmiles.com. Perfect Smiles of Nashua. It is a delight to welcome to the New Hampshire Journal podcast, Tiffany Justice, one of the co-founders of Moms for Liberty. Welcome. So glad to have you. And you're coming to New Hampshire. I am. I am headed to New Hampshire next week, going to do a roundtable and town hall with Nikki Haley on uh, Wednesday night. So it should be really fun. Uh, it will. It's certainly the topic at the Education Town Hall, uh, September 6th at Founders Academy in Manchester. And we've got the details at uh, our calendar page at nhjournal.com. But I guess, obviously, the first question I have to ask is, um, how long have you been running this hate group? And how many <laughs> children do you think you've killed this week? Because I'm just oh reading the goodness. news coverage of Moms for Liberty. I, I assume everything I read you know, in the New York Times and on the web is true. 
Right. Everything the New York Times prints is true. <laughs> we'll just start with that, right? Um, no. So I have kept successfully all of my own four children alive this week wow. and for the past 18 years. Yes. So so that's going well for me personally. And, you know, we've got 120,000 members across the country, moms and dads, community members that are really concerned uh, about the educational failure that they're seeing in our public schools and also the overreach that we're seeing by the government. We have government schools. That's just the reality of the situation. And parents are saying, wait a second, you're having behind closed doors, private conversations with our children. No, absolutely not. And so, you know, we're pushing back, uh, getting a lot of flack for pushing back, but that's how you know you're over the target and, and just really trying to understand why parental rights are such a threat to so many people in America right now. Well, they are, you know, New Hampshire just had a uh, legislative battle a few months ago about a parental bill of rights. It was defeated when every Democrat uh, voted against it, along with a handful of uh, Republicans. And one of the issues again and again was uh, the idea that parents are too dangerous to be allowed to know if their child goes to school and, say, uh, decides they're uh, you know going to change genders or they want to experiment with cross-dressing that parents aren't allowed to know. And I mean, some of the, you read some of the quotes, the chairman of the state party has said that if you let parents know what they're doing, and this is, these are his words, they will beat their kids to death. Uh, yeah, state that's Senator. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, let me, let me give you a couple more state Senator uh, Perkins Quoka says that if that, you know, having a parents bill of rights would open children up to violence from their parents and Senator Donovan Fenton, another state Senator said it will quote, end up being fatal for our young children. And just before you react to this, I just want to add one fact because there's not a lot of facts in these conversations, New Hampshire journal uh, has reported on this for more than a year. We have searched, you know, Google and the records we've asked all of the advocates uh, who oppose parents' rights, show us a single example of this ever happening in the entire history of the state of New Hampshire. And the answer is there isn't a single one. So these people are claiming that not only parents are violent, but they're claiming without any evidence that they've been able to provide. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the idea that we're going to make laws for uh, parents or people who are breaking the law it's just ridiculous. The idea that we wouldn't know and understand that the majority of parents are um, healthy and safe and, and sane and, and putting their children first. And, you know, family is the foundation of America. Um, and so we are going to reject all of that nonsense about any idea that we wouldn't love and accept our children unconditionally. This is 2023. Um, and, and we have a, a very diverse membership of Moms for Liberty. Mm -hmm. We have gay chapter chairs. We have gay members. We have members with gay children. And so this idea that somehow any uh, member of Moms for Liberty or really parents in general across the mm -hmm. United States are rejecting their children because of sexual orientation um, is, is crazy. Uh, but here's the thing, Michael. My children do not need a sexual spirit guide at school. At no point does any adult need to have any conversation with my child about their sexual orientation or any type mm -hmm. of mental distress they're dealing with. And if they are having a conversation about mental distress, I expect as a parent, as I think the majority of Americans mm -hmm. expect, that we will be brought in on that conversation to help them. No one is going to advocate for and love their child like a parent is. So my background is political flackery. I've, I used to run campaigns and I did talk radio, so I'm all about the political conversation. And I've seen a lot of weird things in my life, but I've never seen a political party 
seize upon the idea of attacking a such a large group of voters as parents. I don't get how this is a political win. Now, we had a poll. It's been a while now. It's back in February. But it showed that overwhelmingly, for example, we asked specifically about a case that's going on in Manchester, New Hampshire, where a mom found out that her child was, you know, apparently cross-dressing or engaged in, you know, gender fluidity at school and asked about it. And the school told her, no, our rule is parents aren't allowed to know. So that's going through the courts right now. So we asked, should parents be allowed to know? 78% of respondents, including a majority of Democrats said, of course, the parents should be allowed to know. And yet every single elected Democrat in the state of New Hampshire opposes parents' rights. Uh, when you had your national convention in Philadelphia, another inside sources outlet was covering it, and Democrats are coming out to protest you. Is being anti-parents and their rights over their kids a winning political strategy? I guess we're going to find out, aren't we? I mean, I continue to wait, I continue to to wait to see who uh, uh, who as a Democrat, a prominent de Democrat in the United States, is going to step up and speak out. You've seen right. some Democrats in other places, Georgia, North Carolina, uh, switching parties. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a, a woman in Georgia, a representative, who said, "You know, I really believe in school choice, and I do not understand why the Democrat Party is not uh, supporting school choice and giving parents the option to be able to choose the best right. education for their child." In North Carolina, we recently had uh, uh, we uh, the, the legislature overrode three uh, vetoes by the governor. One was a parent's bill of rights, and that was also helped by a Democrat who actually switched parties. But the thing is this, people shouldn't have to switch parties in order to support parental rights. And I think it's only a matter of time before Democrats start realizing and waking up that they're going to lose votes and support if they don't support parents. And so, you know, I, I guess we'll see in 2024 so uh, where the chips fall. So you're you're very good at communicating the ideas, the 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 principles, you know, the things that you want to see legislatively uh, protecting parents' rights, et cetera. But I just want to ask you as a person, I, it's it it's got to be disturbing to have people look at you and say you want to get kids killed. I think, for example, about the debate over police, and you can argue about what the right level of policing is and should there be more or less restrictions and you know qualified immunity and and you and i and people like us you know we have political debates all the time but to conclude it with well if you disagree with me on police you want people murdered you want citizens gunned down and then well, you would sound like an idiot and yet that is precisely I, this week in the national debate over parents parents rights there were national figures saying parents are just too dangerous if they out their kids at the school, that parents will kill them. How does it make you feel as a person that people think you're you're on the side of getting kids hurt and killed? As a as a woman and a mom uh, of a daughter, what I'm seeing happen regarding gender ideology and the social contagion of gender dysphoria is, is really one of the most dangerous and disturbing things I've ever seen in my entire life. We have uh, girls uh, that don't want to grow up to be women uh, that are cutting off healthy body parts and making decisions that will affect their ability to have children and to live a, a long, healthy life. And they're doing this in service of um, an ideology uh, and a hope that somehow by trying to change their biological sex, which we all know is an impossibility, um, that they'll somehow find happiness and schools are supporting this. So, you know, people can say a lot of different things about me and they do, um, but we're going to stand in the truth of the fact that there are men and there are women and that children cannot consent to puberty blockers. They should not be making long-term decisions uh, about uh, their ability to have children and other things. And so, 
you know, that's the dangerous thing I think that I'm seeing happening. And, and the idea that parents getting involved and, and being involved in their children's lives is dangerous. is just absurdity. Um, so I think we just live in this weird time where up is down and left is right. And uh, moms and dads across the country are really just rallying around common sense. And, and I think we're a threat, Michael, because of the fact that we're bringing people together across party lines, across religious lines, across racial lines. Um, this is a movement, this parental rights movement uh, that uh, really does take the power away from the establishment and puts it back into the hands of the people. Uh, so I say, uh, we the parents, 2024, uh, we are going to stand up for our rights. So two other local stories that I just absolutely love. One is during the debate over parental rights uh, in New Hampshire, a, a voter sent his state rep a note saying, I really hope you'll support you know, parental rights and state rep uh, Tommy Hoyt, a Democrat from Campton, New Hampshire, wrote back uh, uh, that he should shut up. Do you do your children a favor? <laughs> let the teachers teach and shut up. You're clearly no professional. And then my other is uh, there's a story in the suburbs of Philadelphia where uh, uh, Republicans won school board races, thanks in part to Moms for Liberty help. And they put in a policy that says, look, if you're if there's a book in the school library you're concerned about, it will go through a review process. And if it's not age appropriate, we can remove it. And so, you know, you know, the books that are on the short list, uh, gender queer and this book is gay, whatever, which but just for people who don't know, they have uh, uh, images of actual sexual sex acts. <laughs> I mean, graphic portrayals. So a uh, group that supports this effort sent out a mailer and on the outside of the envelope, it says warning, you know, graphic material inside and everything inside was actually from a book in a public school library. And the people who are angry are the people who want the books in the library. Right. Who say, stop sending this to parents. We don't want, you, right. this is outrageous that you would send what we are trying to get into your middle school library that you're mailing it to us. This is offensive. And so I just, I mean, how do you, <laughs> how do you win a fight? Or, or I should say in your case, how do you lose a fight like that? I think it's the height of hypocrisy. Here's what gives me hope. Uh, right now in Canada, three provinces are, are currently talking about putting policies in place that uh, a parent would be notified uh, if their child wishes to change their uh, their pronouns or their name at school. That's Canada, where unanimously all the members of parliament voted uh, just a few years ago to consider it, it conversion therapy if parents didn't affirm uh, their wish for their child to try Try to change their their gender. So um, that's giving me hope. What I think is going to happen is we are at the height of hypocrisy here and the tide is going to turn really, really quickly. Once more Americans become aware of these books and they see them. That's why they're so mad, by the way. They don't want people to actually see the content because if they can keep it fuzzy, then they can continue to lie about it. But once Americans see it, once the average person opens up that mail and says, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that's what the books were that were in the library. I didn't realize that's what my tax right. dollars were going to. You know, the tide's going to turn fast. And so that's my prediction. And um, I think we're on the right side of this issue. I know we are. And um, their hypocrisy only continues to show the, me. The uh, last that. question is with a presidential election coming up there. You know, obviously, the candidates are talking about uh, this issue. Uh, uh, Nikki Haley referenced it on stage during the debate. There are a lot of candidates. Uh, Senator Tim Scott just released a statement uh, on the kind of his plans on this. What would you want a president of the United States to do about this? Or is this really the ultimate local school district, state level district uh, uh, issue? 
One of the things that I think American parents did during COVID was really try to understand where does the authority lie for decision-making for any issue that we're dealing with? So is this a, a school board issue? Is this a state level issue? Is this a federal issue? What we know is that the federal government is pushing this gender stuff down our throats every single day. And so that needs to stop, right? We're, we're expecting Title IX regulations to, to be rolled out in October. Right. I think that's going to really put school districts in a position where they're going to have to decide whether or not they're going to continue to take federal funding. But ultimately, education is a state level issue. And so what I think is, is that the next president of the United States needs to lead about what we want to see coming out of our schools, which is, you know, unfolding the full potential of every child, ensuring that every child learns to read, but then also recognizing that the federal government needs to get out of these issues in many different places. And the American public are ready to support that. So I've been really impressed with the presidential candidates. I think Nikki Haley has taken such an amazingly strong stand for parents. She's a mom. She totally understands what parents are dealing with. And she trusts the American people to raise their children. And we appreciate that. And thank you so much, Tiffany Justice, for your time, co-founder of Moms for Liberty. We really appreciate it here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Michael. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the New Hampshire Journal podcast. Please find us on Twitter, New Hamp Journal, on Facebook, NH Journal, and of course at nhjournal.com where you can sign up for our daily newsletter. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.